Greetings to each of you in Christ's name. Well, my thoughts are still with the new year. Uh, it is still January. And uh, so the message this morning kind of carries that thought. And I would like to begin with a poem. It reads like this. When trouble... Sorry, let me start over. What trouble in 2020 lies? Will the stock market fall? Will the gas prices rise? Will a hurricane strike? Will a mountaintop blow? Will our barn roof come down in a blizzard of snow? Why bar tomorrow? Why miss today's flowers? Sufficient today are the cares that are ours. The finches don't harvest, poinsettias don't spin. Then why should I fret myself haggard and thin? The same God who sees that the finches are fed who skillfully dresses poinsettias in red, who cares for all children and watches all men, has promised that he will go with us again. That last phrase is what caught my attention, the reminder that as we go into this new year that God will go with us. Hebrews 13:5, God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so God does his part. He's with us. Uh, and so what is our part as his children? And thus the title of the message this morning, I've entitled it Walking with God in 2020. I have a couple general thoughts here in the beginning that relate to walking. And I'm gleaning these from a message that Brother John Hartzler preached about two years ago at Caswell, uh, he had some introductory thoughts. There's four points here that just kind of go along with the general thought of walking. The first one is when we walk together, generally we agree. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be walking together. Uh, Amos 3.3 posed a question, can two walk together except they be agreed. Second point is when you walk together, you generally enjoy each other's company. Verse in 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So God is light and we're walking with him uh, in light and so we have fellowship one with another. We enjoy each other's company. Number three, Walk the same speed. Generally, when several are walking, they walk together. They walk the same speed. And so God does not leave us when we're walking with him, nor should we run ahead of God. And number four, we communicate together. Generally, when we walk, there's communication. Very seldom do people walk together in silence but they communicate and so when we walk together we talk and it's the same with God we need to communicate with God as we walk with him in prayer reading his word receiving his Holy Spirit direction and we'll talk about some of that later songwriter said it well and this could be the sermon this morning in a nutshell 
songwriter said, walk daily with your Savior in fellowship of love, and you shall share his friendship in yon fair land above. So that's what we're talking about today is walking with God, fellowshipping with him, friendship, and ultimately ending up in heaven with him. Psalms 143.8, the prayer of David, he said this, calls me to know the way wherein I should walk. I trust that's our prayer this morning. We uh, seek God and asking him how I should walk. If we are a Christian this morning, is that our desire? Are we desiring uh, to walk with God and desiring to know how to walk? In 1 John 2, 6 says, if we abide in Christ, we ought to walk as he walked. Again, is that our desire to walk as he walked? So the question this morning is, where are we at? in our walk with God. Where am I at and where are you at in this thing of walking together with God? I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, we have the story here of man Adam and Eve falling away from God. They sinned. We know the story. And so they disobey God and they sin. And in verse 8, Genesis 3, 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So here God comes walking in the garden, it says, in the cool of the day. And I'm supposing that that was a normal occurrence, that God walked in the garden with his people, with Adam and Eve. And it should have been a wonderful time of walking together. As I imagine it, it should have been a time like those four points that I read in the beginning it should have been a time of agreement, of enjoyment, of walking side by side, and of communication with God. But something has changed. And so we have verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? God said to Adam and Eve, Where art thou? Where are you? You're not walking with me. And it says there that they had left the path and hid, it said, among the trees. To us today, the question is, where are we at in our walk with God? So I'd like to look at a few examples of those who walked with God. Um, some of these are well-known, um, and see what it says about them. We're here in Genesis. Let's go to chapter 5, and the first one is Enoch. 
Genesis 5, 21 to 24, and Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. It says in verse 22, he walked with God, and it was interesting to me that the way it's worded, um, he walked with God after he begat Methuselah. And so it's interesting that he walked with God after he had children. Uh, he was continuing to walk with God as he led his family. It says he walked with God and he took him, and unusual happening, uh, Enoch apparently did not die, but he just changed from this life to the next, with, went to be with God. Uh, it says somewhere he was translated. It's an unusual happening, and yet I believe today if we walk with God, we will experience unusual things, not this necessarily, but uh, things that we know God helped us with and through and in. Someone has said Enoch was walking with God, and God said, come on home with me. So what kind of walk did Enoch have? If you go to Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, verse 5, it says that Enoch's testimony was that he pleased God. So that's the kind of walk that Enoch had. He pleased God. Does my life, does our life please God? Does my walk please God? Another example is Noah, and it's in the next chapter, chapter 6 of Genesis, verses 5 through 9. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So what kind of a walk did Noah have? It says in verse 8, he found grace in God's eyes. Verse 9, he was just, he was perfect, and that carries the thought of being upright. And then again, a commentary on his life from Hebrews 11, verse 7, talks about him being obedient to what God told him to do. It says he was an heir of righteousness, and so he was a man that lived by faith. We know his life and the happening there, building the ark, he was very obedient to God, a, a man of faith. It says that he walked with God. Abraham's testimony in Genesis 24, verse 40, we have the verse there where Abraham is, he's 
speaking of himself, he said, the Lord before whom I walk. And so Abraham, it says, his own word says that he walked with God. A New Testament example in Luke 1.6, we have there about Zacharias and Elizabeth. And it says there in that verse that they both were righteous, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Again, how is my walk? How do I measure up? They were faithful in following God's commands and his practices. Whatever he asked them to do, it says they were faithful. Now I invite you to turn to Matthew 14. We have here a, another example of walking. It's a little different uh, than what we're talking about, what we have talked about, but it Nevertheless, it's an experience of walking, and it has, I think, a lot of parallels with our, our experience with, as we walk with Christ. God has some interesting parallels here. So Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the sh into the ship, the wind ceased. When they had, then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Again, an interesting thing here that happened, uh, but it's some examples, I think, that we can draw from. They were out on the sea. It was tossed. They were tossed. It was windy. Verse 25, Jesus came walking on the water, certainly a miracle. We just studied, I believe, last Sunday about the miracles of Christ. This would be one. And... Jesus calms our fears. And Peter desires to walk with Jesus, to walk to Jesus. We could parallel that with walking with Jesus. And Jesus said unto him, Come. And as we go through life, 
Jesus says to us, come, come to him. It says, when Peter saw the wind, he had fear, and he began to sink. And he cried out to the Lord, save me. Verse 31 says, immediately, Jesus called him. Jesus always is there to help us. Immediately, it says, he reached out. So then, verse 33, they worshiped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. So does this, this sound similar to experiences that we have? Like Peter, we desire to walk with God, and he says, come. But then, or maybe when, uh, things happen, storms of life come about. Maybe it's problems or difficulties. It can be church problems or family problems. Could be financial problems or sickness. It can be sin or mistakes. We may stumble or we may fall. Or sometimes people even quit walking. But if we cry out to God, he is there immediately to meet our needs. He forgives and he cares. And so when God works miracles in our lives, I think it should cause us to do like the disciples. After they seen what had taken place, it said they worshiped him, saying of a truth, thou art the son of God. May that be our experience as we see God do great things in our lives around us. May we be ever more uh, drawn to him, knowing that he is the true Christ, the Son of God, and we continue our walk with him. We need his help as we walk, as Peter did. Someone wrote a song once that said, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. I trust we acknowledge that, that it's not a walk of our own self, but we lean upon God to help us. All right, now I'd like to look a little bit at how should we walk. And I've just written down a lot of scriptures here. I'm not going to turn to them for sake of time. Uh, but we have much in the scripture that tells us how to walk. Of course, the first step in Romans 10, 9, if we're not a Christian or we've stopped walking with God, the first step, is, it says in Romans 10, 9, to confess with our mouth and to belie believe in our heart that Jesus died and rose again. He rose for us, for each of us individually, and we can be saved. Verse 13 of that chapter says, Whosoever will call on the Lord will be saved. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 5, verse 33, God said to the children of Israel, Walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you. 
So in their day, it was, it was hearing God's word either directly or through Moses. Today we have the written word, and I believe God would say today, walk in the ways which I have commanded you in my word. Psalms 1, a verse there says that we're not, we're not to walk, a way of not to walk, we're not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but our delight should be in the law of the Lord. So we should get our counsel from the word of God, the directions as to how to walk. Micah 6 verse 8 says there, What does the Lord require of us? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Goes on in that chapter to talk about the people's disobedience and not following him. And so, what does walking humbly mean? I believe it means that we obey God and we say yes to his will and not our will. We studied about that a little bit in our lesson today. Denying ourself and not saving our life, but giving ourselves over to God. I believe that's walking humbly. New Testament, Romans 6, verse 4. It says we are to walk in newness of life. So we don't walk in our old paths. We walk in our new life in Christ. We walk in him, not in our old ways. Romans 8, verse 1, we are not to walk after the flesh, but we are to walk after the Spirit. And a parallel verse with that would be Galatians 5, 16, walk in the Spirit and, for, and do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Pretty plain verses, and... I believe today we could say if we're struggling in our walk with God, there's a checkpoint here. According to these verses, and that is what are we feeding? Are we feeding our flesh or are we feeding our spirit? Someone has said what we feed grows and becomes stronger. And so if we struggle sometimes in the flesh, I think it's good for us to check our lives and to see what are we feeding on. I know an example just recently of someone that has really been struggling. Uh, and so someone was counseling him and he was asking, you know, why, why am I struggling so much? And the counselor told him, said, well, what have you been feeding on? And it was known and confessed that the person was feeding on things that he should not have been feeding on and thus the struggle. Romans 13, 13, walk honestly. We are to be honest about our walk. We are not to walk in 
worldly ways, but to be honest with God and walk honest before him. Verse 14 of that same chapter says, put on the Lord Jesus and don't make provision for the flesh. And that would parallel with those other verses about the flesh and spirit. We're not to make provisions for the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, walk by faith and not by sight. A familiar verse. We are not to let the things around us get us down, but we're to look to God and walk in faith to him, knowing that he is in control. Ephesians 5, 2 says we are to be a follower of God and we're to walk in love. Also says there, Christ loved us as an example. In Joshua chapter 23, verses 11 and 12, Joshua told the people there to love the Lord your God or else you will go back and cleave to the nations around you. We need to have an attitude of love to God and to those around us, but we need to make sure that we're walking in love to God and not getting caught up in the love of the world. I'd like for us to turn now to Colossians 1. Colossians 1 verse 10, Paul said here that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We are called to walk worthy of the Lord. I'm not sure what all that means, but I think Paul gave some indication what it means here. And so I'd like to read one sentence that Paul wrote. And you, if you're familiar with Paul's writings, you know some of his sentences get pretty long. And so I'd like to read one sentence here, starting in verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist." Now, he says a lot in there that we could look at, but we're talking about walking worthy of the Lord. Just a few things that were said in there is that we have an inheritance. We've been delivered from darkness. 
We've been translated into God's kingdom. We have redemption. We have forgiveness. And the list goes on. And so, with all that said, Paul says, Christ has done so much for us, we are to walk worthy of him. We need to walk worthy of the Lord. The second chapter here in Colossians, verses 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. As ye have received Christ, so walk in him. Verse 7 says that through Christ we are rooted, we're built up, we're established. And we're thankful. And so in Christ we have all these things. As we have received Christ, that is how we are to walk. We're to walk in such a way that we understand that we are rooted and established. So we're talking about ways to walk. And I trust this morning these scriptures help us to See by the Spirit how we are to walk. Am I walking in these ways? I'd like to look now at how to maintain our walk. How do we continue our walk with God? And the first one goes along with one of those introductory points, and that is that we need to communicate with God. If we want to maintain our walk with God, we need to communicate with him. And that's by Bible reading, prayer, and meditation. And these things are not new to us, uh, but I think, at least I do, continue to need reminders as to how to continue walking with God, how to maintain my walk. And so, under number one of communication with God, A is Bible reading. And again, I'm going to read a few scriptures here uh, to help us see what God's word says about the scriptures. In John 5:39, it says, Search the scripture. Jesus said this, for these are they that testify of me. And so the scriptures teach us about Christ. We want to know about Christ, we need to read the scripture. Psalms 119, 105 says, God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to my path. We're talking about walking this morning. And this verse says that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so as we walk with God, the scriptures give us illumination as to how we are to walk, what steps we need to take and how to do that without stumbling and falling because his word gives us 
a light for our path. 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul to Timothy said, give yourself to reading the scriptures. So he encouraged him to read the scripture. Romans 15.4, it says, what was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. So sometimes we get weary, maybe reading the Old Testament. But it says that the things that were written earlier is for our instruction. And so it's, it's like as though we have an instruction book. And as we read that, we get instructions as to how to walk. 2 Timothy 3.16, God's word, it says, is profitable. And basically says God's word is profitable and it helps us to be equipped. So when I feel inadequate or we feel inadequate, we need to read the scripture. So do we see the need this morning for reading God's word? B is prayer. Ephesians 6.18 talks about praying at all times. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without ceasing. Matthew 26, 41, encourage us to watch and pray. Reading God's word is God talking to us. Prayer is us talking to God. It's communication. This morning, the question is, do I give priority to Bible reading and prayer? Or does it just happen if I have time for it? Communication has a great part to do in walking with God. Number C, or letter C, is meditation. And I don't want you to get scared about this one. I'm not talking about some mystic religion or yoga or anything like that. But we're talking about meditating with God, meditation to God. Someone has said meditation is to the soul what digestion is to the body. And I thought of a crude illustration. Maybe it's because I saw that word digestion. But... Uh, the illustration came to me of a cow lying down in a green pasture chewing its cud. I don't know if that's accurate or not to meditation, but it is a parallel because after we've had a spiritual meal, we need to think about it. We need to meditate on it. And so we need to think about God and his word and what the spirit is saying to us after we've read scripture or after we've heard the word expounded uh, we need to think about it meditation is a kind of silent prayer in which your soul is connected to God in Psalms 1 verse we referred to earlier it says that we are to meditate day and night on the law 
of God. That word meditate in that verse carries the thought of pondering. We, uh, we read the word of God and then we ponder it. We think about it. David said somewhere else in Psalms, while I was musing, the fire burned. So what did he mean? That word musing actually means meditate or meditation. And so he meditated on God's word and what God had said. Do other things or devices take away my time for meditation? I think a question we can ask. Okay, number two in maintaining our walk with God is that we need to fellowship with others who are also walking with God. <laughs> Hebrews 10, verse 24 talks about provoking one another to love and to good works. The very next verse, verse 25, talks about forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. So it seems like there's a connection there uh, of assembling together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as part of the family of God. As we fellowship together, we challenge each other in our love and our good works. Proverbs 27:17, iron sharpeneth iron, so does the countenance of a man sharpen his friend. We need each other. There's a, a trend in our day today that, you know, I don't need the church. I can make it on my own. I'll, I'll do my own thing. I, I don't like what the church is doing. And people are, are uh, at times leaving the church and, and doing their own thing. But we need the fellowship and encouragement from each other to help us along in our walk with God. Number three in maintaining our walk with God is don't be offended or don't let yourself be offended. Sometimes we let people or circumstances or things offend us. Or something happens and we become offended in our relationship to God. This causes a, a lot of people to stop walking with God. Now, I wasn't here last Sunday. I was at Caswell, but <clears throat> I think the suggested reading for the superintendent was Matthew 11. I'm not sure if he used that here or not. probably did. But uh, that's an interesting passage where John, of all men, the man that introduced Jesus, that introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God, at one point in his life while he was in prison, questioned whether Christ was the Messiah. And so he sent, you know the story, he sent two of his disciples to Jesus and said, are you the promised one or is there another one that is coming? 
Anyway, it's interesting then what <clears throat> Jesus said. He just told him to tell John to see what's happening, to look around and see what's going on. And, of course, all the miracles of Christ was, was easy to see. And then this is what Jesus said. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. In John chapter 6, and I think we'll turn to that. <clears throat> John chapter 6. This is after hearing Jesus teach. Some that were there and heard him, they said that what Jesus said was a hard statement. It was a hard saying. And they said, who can hear it? And Jesus said to them, Doth this offend you? And so I believe we need to allow God's Spirit to work in us and to help keep us walking. Uh, I'll read there, starting at verse 63, John 6. Well, just before that, 61, Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it. He said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him of the Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of of the living God. It says after this, Jesus asked him, you know, are you going to be offended in what I've said? He says it's the spirit that quickeneth. Jesus' words are spirit and life. Verse, 20, uh, verse 66 says, After that, many went back and walked no more with him. So what about us this morning? Will we let something offend us and to cause us to quit walking with God? And then we have verse 69, and it seems like Peter always comes through. He was the one, you know, that tried to walk on the water. And then when it was all over, he said, you know, you're the the true one, you're the son of God. Here, here he comes through again. Peter said to Christ, you have life. And where else would we go? We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. This morning, are we convinced? I trust we're convinced to walk with God till death. And if we walk with God till death, then, as that songwriter earlier has said, then we can walk 
with God in heaven. Revelation 3, 4 said, Those that do not defile themselves will walk with Christ in white. Revelation 21, 24, talking about heaven, said, Those saved shall walk in the light of it. So we're talking about this morning walking with God in 2020. I don't know what you think about when you hear 2020. I always think of vision. When I go to the doctor, usually that comes up. Either you have 2020 vision or it's some other numbers put together. So my understanding at least in a layman's term, 2020 vision is that you have normal vision at about 20 feet out or further. And so as I think of those numbers and the year that we're living in, how will I walk in 2020? Will I have normal 2020 vision or will I be distracted? Ephesians 5.15 says this, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That word circumspectly means carefully, carries that thought. And it starts out with see then that ye walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. And so my version, I guess, of that verse would be something like this. Let's have normal 2020 spiritual vision in 2020 and walk carefully. And so in closing, you know, this whole thing of walking, you know, if you, if you think about that and think about maybe a long walk, well, it gets tiring. And sometimes we get weary in our spiritual walk. But Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So encouragement there of not to give up, even though we may get tired sometimes in our lives, our responsibilities, whatever it may be, the encouragement there to keep going, don't get weary, but we shall reap if we faint not. And so in closing, I have the words of the chorus of a song that I heard recently, and I'd like to leave this with you. This is my encouragement to each one of you in the year 2020. It goes like this. Keep on walking. We're closer today. Keep on walking. There's no other way. Keep on walking. We're never alone. And keep on walking. We'll rest when we get home. Let's have a song. <clears throat>